if we're being graded on this cost center versus profit center mentality and we're being seen as just sucking up costs in the business without providing value, are, are we going to get our budgets back? No. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. And we're back from the holidays. Yeah, we're back. Yep. How was how was your time off? Yeah, it's it's good. It's good. Didn't uh, didn't decompress as much as I would like to, but that's on me. So, but other than that, it was uh, good. Played a lot of Minecraft. Nice. So nice. It was it was crazy here. A week and a half flew by like that. Yeah. Because we had we fast. had something just about every day. Thankfully, I didn't overschedule. I had very little scheduled activities, which was nice. So, mm-hmm. oh, did you yeah. see? I mean, it's what? not it's not Christmas related. It's Thanksgiving. Did you see the Instagram reel I sent you? The backyard football game. Yes, yes, oh, I did. I forgot to that tell was you. awesome. Respond to it. Yeah. I saw that. I'm like, oh man, this is my, must be what Jim's turkey bowl looks like. Uh, no, <laughs> not, not not necessarily. Like I mean, the full I mean, pads. They, they went on. They had full shoulder pads and helmets yeah. going. On. <laughs> no, but it, there have been years in the past where it's devolved into, you know, like one like like a good hit, and then someone goes and takes another hit, and it's like, okay, halftime, let's go cool off. <laughs> All right, everybody, yeah. calm down, chill out. Yeah. Yeah, so, so like, yeah, but it, it doesn't necessarily. It hasn't been like that. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. You um, you haven't noticed my birthday present. No, I haven't. Is that the thing in the window? Yeah, Anything? yeah, it's the internet. What's that? The internet. It's the internet. Have you it's the internet? Have, yeah. Have you seen the IT crowd? No. Oh, it's it's one of my most favorite shows ever. It it ran for four seasons. It's a British like sitcom, um, and it is just hilarious. Anyway, this internet is from mm-hmm. one of the episodes. So the premise of the story is like these two IT guys that work in the basement of this like big building in London, and they get a new boss who they don't respect um, because she doesn't know anything about computers. Uh, and they come to like her over over time, but um, she's being nominated, I think, for Employee of the Month, and they're just bent about it. And they're like, as a way to get her, they they came up with this box, this literal this box right here, this black box with this blinking red light. And they told her that they had spoken with the elders of the internet, and that they had allowed them to take the internet for her to use during her Employee of the Month speech. And, and so she wrote up this whole speech and she brought the internet to show everyone. And the, and the, and the IT guys are like thinking it's going to bomb because they're like, you can't take the internet to a speech. 
anyway, like, it was a huge hit. Like, the audience is, like, enthralled with the internet, that she has the internet there, and they want to touch it and play with it. And the two IT guys oh, are like, hysterical. What's, why, why, why isn't she fa- Why isn't she bombing? What is happening here? Yeah. So anyway. Okay, got, that's funny. I got the internet for my birthday, so. Oh, that's awesome. And it came with, um, like, the, so she's giving a speech, and she has, like, these cue cards, and it has, like, her speech on it, and this is, like, her her speech from her employee of the month where she's talking about the internet. So about the internet. Oh, that's hysterical. I'll send you, I'll send you a, like a, a clip. Yeah. Of her yeah. Send me, send, send me the clip. clip. Yeah. It's quite, it's quite funny. So at first I thought maybe like, you know, did, did you get like, you know, some kind of like, like high speed, like <laughs> new service or whatever. And you have the box right there right. to, to improve signal. I don't know. I was just kind of guessing yeah, what you meant. Literally it's that. the internet. Nice. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That is awesome. There you go. Well, we are back for for the new year. Um, definitely took some time off toward the end of the year there uh, for a couple different reasons. Um, but definitely want to get this going again. And toward the end of the year, you and I have started talking about um, some enhancements we want to do. So I think I thought we can kind of kick off the conversation there like you know I, to give some history for those that have started listening recently we started this podcast five years ago as just the, it been five years it, it yeah we're coming up on episode 300 wow. um the idea being is is we had some really fun interesting conversations just amongst ourselves internally and it's like we're like there, there's got to be others that would want to to listen in and that's really where it was is just recording conversations you know, topics that would come to mind and we've, we've adjusted, we've evolved some of the conversations, you know, we've made them more like maybe less about analytics and just broader, like management style and, um, topics. Yeah. Not focused on the nitty gritty of, of analytics and just again, broader to just business and management and running a team and owning a business and stuff like that. Um, you know, and again, like to kind of keep things fresh, you know, in the coming year, we want to introduce a few new changes, change up the topics again to keep the, the conversations fresh. And one of the things we talked about is, is you know, when we look at, you know, the, um, the, the data around listeners, we kind of find like we've usually gone around 45 to 50 minutes, but we really think like 30 minutes looking at the data, 30 minutes is really the sweet spot. Yeah for for a conversation it's it's a lot to ask people to spend time listening to us babble at times um you know and even 45 minutes can be a long period of time so one of the first things i want to do is is start to introduce like the the shorter format um you know i know sometimes with short format you know people may associate that with clickbait but really what we want to really do is condense what we're talking about into 30 minutes or so um kind of shave off 15, 20 minutes to make it more digestible and a more focused conversation. Yeah. And I, I think that that's uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's a long, it's a lot to ask and we're very appreciative of people that invested that time. It's, it's, it's non, it's not, not meaningful. Like it's a, it's a lot, it's a lot of time to, to invest. And it's, 
it's uh, meaningful to us that, that people are doing that. We want to be conscious of people's time, especially as we've had the kind of changes with COVID and more remote, and we've kind of lost a lot of that that we had when we started the commute time, where a lot of people's like, oh, you know, I had an hour commute, it's perfect, but now we have a lot of people that that's gone. And so, you know, we want to be sensitive to that. But to your point, Jim, I think um, what isn't going to change is our authenticity and our desire to entertain and provide value uh you know it, i think at this stage it would be easy for us to kind of sell out and have all the pre-roll ads and ads in the middle and be selling like vpn and whatever the you know popular sponsorships are like that we're just not going to do that um it would be you know easy for us to sell out and just kind of have clickbaity topics we're not going to do that um, we want to make sure that we're providing incredible value and hopefully some entertainment as well to, to those people that choose to listen to us. Because again, it's, it's a meaningful amount of time and we, we don't want to waste it and take advantage of that. We want to make sure that we're, we're offering our listeners something, uh, again, not only entertaining, but something valuable that they can take back and you know, think about and maybe deploy in their, their role or in their team. So um, that is not going to change. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so, so that being said, let's dive into into today's topic, and it's a continuation from our last new episode we we put out in December, and it's looking at building an analytics practice as a business. And previously, we talked about like what does it mean to build an analytics practice as a business, and you gave some great examples of like don't take your internal customers for granted. You know, the, 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 don't make the mistake of thinking that you're the only one they have to, to work with. Um, so today I want to talk a bit more about running an analytics practice. So it's more than it's, it's viewed than more than just a cost center. Mm. Um, because if you think many organizations, they in very broad strokes, um, look at teams and organizations as either, Profit centers or cost centers? Do you, are you directly bringing in money to the organization, or are you costing us money by your your team's existence? Um, so you know, and one of the things with being labeled a cost center is is you're viewed as something that needs to be contained. You're something that needs to be controlled. Um, so since analytics teams, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, since analytics teams don't have a direct impact on revenue, um, and we've talked about ways that they can be maybe, you know, not necessarily tied directly to revenue, but can help influence it or at least demonstrate value and not tied directly to it. Mm -hmm. But since they're not tied directly to it, how can they be seen as more than just cost centers with the, uh, with their contributions to the, to the organization? Yeah, and I think the fact that we're not tied directly to revenue is should be by design, um, first of all. But it does, it does create this challenge of in in the business world being labeled as a, as a cost center, which um, I think comes with a lot of negative connotation. Um, but just quickly touching on you know not being tied to revenue, I think it's really really important that analytics teams in their desire to be seen as a profit center, don't get caught up in trying to tie their work with direct revenue outcomes because I think it's a very, very slippery slope um, to manipulating data to make your analytics team look better, which is 
the exact opposite of what our cause should be. We should be an independent voice of reason and allow the data to speak for itself. So if, you know, if in our desire to be seen as a profit center, we, we get in a place where we're tempted to manipulate the data, you know, that's just as bad or worse, I would argue, than, than being a cost center. With that said, there's very real opportunity for us to be seen. And, and you know, whether we're labeled as a cost center or a profit center, we'll leave that up to the CFOs of the world that like to play around with those kind of nonsensical things in my mind. Um, we can be seen as indispensable. And it doesn't really matter what the CFO labels you as if the business sees you as indispensable. And I think that's really where our focus should be as, as data teams is we should put in the work to provide so much value to our business stakeholders that if our roles were ever threatened, that there would be a mutiny within the organization to keep us there because we are seen as so valuable to their success. I think that's where we position ourselves and let the chips fall where they may, whether we're labeled as a cost center or a profit center. Yep. And by the way, we do have an upcoming episode planned to talk about conflicts of interest, because that's exactly what I thought of when you were talking about, you know, the one of the pitfalls of being tied directly to revenue is, is exactly that. And I want to get into conflicts yeah. of interest. Excellent. Yeah, it's an important topic. Yeah. But you, you bring up a good point there about you know, being viewed as critical to the organization. Like, yeah, I, I had visions of like, you know, people arguing, you know, the cost is irrelevant for what they, what, what, what this team brings in versus just looking at, well, they, they bring in X amount of revenue a month, a year or whatnot. Um, yeah. And again, I think it's, it's an important distinction, um, to make that our role isn't to influence revenue. Our role isn't to say, well, we launched, you know, five A-B tests that resulted in X number of additional dollars. I mean, those things may happen, but really our, our role is to provide value as a support mechanism to, to others in the business. And when we look at ourselves that way as, as an advisor, as, an, as a coach, I think it completely changes the dynamic in that the people that we partner with in the organization, their success becomes our success. And I think far too often analytics teams want to be successful on their own. Look at what we've done rather than saying, well, wait a minute, it's not what we're doing. It's what we're doing in support of others within the organization that make them successful that then comes back on us as successfully coaching and guiding and informing those teams. And again, it may sound like a, a subtle difference, but I think it has a huge impact on the dynamic on how we look at things. It shifts our focus outwards. Well, right now, so much of the analytics teams that that we've seen over you know twenty years have been really inward focused. Like, well, what is our? What are we trying to do? What are we trying to build? What are we trying to put? Like, wait a minute, we're for, we're forgetting our customers, right? It's like we're forgetting who we're serving and why we're we're serving them. And when we change that dynamic and put that back into the context of this kind of series in our podcast where we're running our practice as a business, we start to think a little bit differently. And again, if our customers are happy, not only that, if our customers are successful because of what we do, think about any product that you enjoy that you either get value out of or enjoyment out of or is critical in how you work or things that you do in your life. If 
if you ever saw that company being threatened, how would you feel? You're like, whoa, nope, nope. I got to like go to war for them to make sure they, because I need what they're providing. That's what we want our internal customers to feel like. You know, if Jim's role is ever threatened, I'm going to step up and go to bat for him because what he does is critical to my success. And I think that ties directly to what we talked about last time is in not making your internal customers feel like they are forced to, to use your service. Because think about it, when you talk about a service being threatened, if someone were to say today that the DMV is going away, who's actually going to fight for the DMV? <laughs> because, I mean, we, we loathe it because... The people that work at the DMV. <laughs> That's it. Well, I mean, we're, we're forced to use the DMV. Yeah, yeah. The people who work there know we're forced to use the DMV. So it's like this mutually toxic relationship. Whereas if you are, you know, you have internal customers that don't feel forced to use your services and rather want to use your services, they're going to fight for you. Side, side tangent. Have you seen that shift with the USPS? Mm, What do you mean? The postal service? No, I haven't. Oh, night and day difference here. Like both the local carrier and going into the post office because we have choices now. Lots of choices, right? Mm -hmm. And they know it. And... It, the service and the quality of what they've done, and maybe it's just a local thing, I don't know, but it has increased exponentially. I'm just blown away at the quality of service from the post office compared to, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, where like, eh, we're going to do whatever we want, because what are you going to do? You got to mail a letter, you got to mail through us. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> you know, I have 12 other choices that I can do. And anyway, that's our, our internal customers. We think... They don't have a choice, right? Like we're 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 the DMV of this business. You have to use us, and that may be the the mandate. But in reality, they do have choices. And we, I think, we probably talked about this in our previous episode. How many teams have you worked with where you've gone out and done stakeholder interviews, and and they're running under their desk a different analytics platform than what the analytics team is is running? It happens a lot, right? All, it happens a lot. <laughs> because they have choices and they're like, you're not giving us the service we want. We're going to go choose a different service. Yeah. W- whether it be, you know, they get pushed into the arms of their paid marketing agency and the data they provide, or they just find a way to get Google Analytics deployed to the site. Yeah, happens all the time. And again, I think I think a huge reason that happens is not that they want to be rogue and you know not and go against what the company is saying they should do it's they have a very real need you know we're not just checking boxes they have a very real need for the insights and the data that they're not getting and and that needs that's a reflection of the analytics teams not seeing their internal stakeholders as customers with with a choice um i you know i would I would challenge every analytics person listening to this podcast to be honest and kind of look at their organization and say, how many teams within my company are using a solution other than what our team is providing? And that should be a huge indicator on how you're viewing your your internal customers, that do they have a choice or not? I guess, you know, putting yourself in the perspective of like an analytics director or, you know, VP over an analytics team, why is it important to evaluate the practice in this way from, from your perspective, you know, making sure that, you know, and besides the obvious answer of 
you know, what you said with the, you know, the organization fighting for the team, but why is it important not to ignore this? There's maybe a better way to ask it. Well, I mean, we started the conversation about costs and cost centers, and I think if for no other reason, it's one of the biggest challenges that analytics leadership faces, and that is shrinking budgets. And they're being asked to do the same or often more with less, and it's it's unrealistic. And so if we're being graded on this cost center versus profit center mentality, and we're being seen as just sucking up costs in the business without providing value, are, are we going to get our budgets back? No, right? So if for nothing else, us fighting for and getting the budgets that we need to operate a high-functioning analytics team, we need to shift that conversation away from being seen as just some team that's sucking up money that's taking away from our profitability that we're a team that is a critical component in ensuring the financial health and stability of the company if we do that then our then our budgets will come roaring back for sure Mm -hmm. yeah which right now like we've talked ad nauseum and i won't stop talking about how we have seen budgets not come back yeah, analytics teams, um, the money they used to get, they're not, they're not getting anymore. Budgets have been slashed, and while other teams' budgets have come back, analytics not so much. Yeah, we've seen lots of the other teams' um, budgets come back. The analytics teams has not, and the asks have not decreased, right? So, like, they're if still anything, in, they've increased. If if anything, they've increased, but somewhere there's a disconnect, right? Because Clearly, there's a need for that that data and for those insights because the the asks are continuing to increase. But when it gets to the decision makers who are putting together the budget, there's a disconnect there. So down at the ground level, we see the need and our, our business partners see the need, but that doesn't translate up to the people controlling the budgets because they're like, eh, we can't continue to throw more money at analytics. You know, it's just the cost center. So again, I think that's on us. We can cross our fingers, hope and pray that, uh, you know, finance or whoever's in charge of the budget is going to see our value. Um, but I think we're, we should be in a position to be much more proactive about that and going back to our leadership teams and not to justify our roles, but just to say, Hey, as you're thinking through our, our, our planning as our budgets, um, you should know how critical this role is to product, to marketing, to you know finance to our executive leadership and here's the reasons why because a lot of times they just don't know right they just don't know and i i'm fortunate enough to see that on the sales side because finance is typically involved in the sales process they're clueless when it comes to the value of analytics and so you know for us thinking that they're just going to toss our team's money just because data they, they don't get it it's our responsibility to help them understand why it's such a critical component to, to our businesses. Um, and I like the title of this episode because I think the first thing is to dispel that notion of being a cost center. Because if, if that's how we're seen, it doesn't matter what we do. We're, we're going to kind of be given that label. We need to do the work to get out of cost versus profit and really have the discussion of, yeah, but what value are we creating for critical business stakeholders? Yeah. And part of that too, it's um, you're going to have to be your own hype man. 
you're you're going to need to be that person, which goes very counter to the normal disposition of those that work in analytics. You're going to have to be that person that gets in front of those people to either get them to agree that the, that you are creating the value or to help them go to bat for you. I mean, for sure, we're going to have to get out of our comfort zones because, yeah, I mean, most in this industry are not really big on self-promotion. There are a few who are, but by and large, we're not big self-promotion people. Uh, we, we want the work to speak for itself. We kind of want to do the job and just let it, you know, sit where it may. Um, but you that's not running the, the analytics practice like a business, right? I mean at some point there needs to be some level of promotion. Does that mean we have to be like these, these uh, really annoying thought leaders that are always out there saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. Absolutely not. But it's also not good enough to say, well, our work should stand on its own. I'm like, yeah, it should, but that's not how it happens in reality. We know that we're smart enough to know that. And so we need to put in the work to run our team like a business. And that is, you know, marketing our team, branding ourselves, making sure that the rest of the business understands the value that, that we deliver. And that, I think, is the hardest gap to cross because most analytics people don't want to have to play that role. But if you're an analytics leadership, you have to play that role. Uh, you know, running your team like a business is critical to your team's success. And if that's uncomfortable for you, I get it. It's uncomfortable for me. But we have to do it if we want our, our teams to be successful. We have to help highlight and show the value of what we're creating. And that isn't an ego thing. That isn't a, hey, look at me thing. Um, that is a positioning our internal business practice to be successful. Yeah, if anything, it's sometimes let's face it, it's even called it's a self-preservation thing. Because... If you're not going to fight for it, if you're not going to fight for the the value you produce, you're not and the budget that comes with it, someone else is. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And we know which teams internally are really, really good at that. And they're yeah. gonna take advantage of your lack of desire to participate in this game. And it's a game. And if you're, you know, and so if you're not going to participate, there are absolutely teams that are going to see that. I'm like, oh, I get Jim's budget, <laughs> you know, yeah. for sure. No, it absolutely will. And going back to what you were talking about, like, you know, looking for the work to to speak for itself, it it's not going to. Um, we see the value in it right away. We know the value of the work that we produce. Others won't. And... If you're not there to highlight the value, people aren't going to see it. And we do. And I think and this isn't something unique to analytics, but it is definitely something pervasive in the digital analytics space. People assuming that others understand the value of the work that's produced. And they just don't. Whether it's, you know, too technical um, or just there's sometimes so much going on. Like, again, coming down to just money. If there's no direct revenue, that is one way that people automatically make the decision of what's valuable and what's not. Yeah, does that make sense? It, it does. And, and, and look, I completely empathize with, with analytics leadership teams because I agree with them. I think our work should speak for itself. But 
That's not the reality of how these organizations work. These executives that are evaluating the the value of teams and uh, where budgets should be allocated, they have very, very limited time. And so the people that are in their ear saying, well, look how much my team is generating, that's who's going to get it. You know, that's just mm-hmm. the reality. And so, um, I, again, like it may not be the way we would want an ideal world to work, but this is how the current business landscape we're in works. And so if we've selected to, to work in one of these larger organizations or even mid-sized organizations where politicking and positioning your practice is critical to getting the funding you need, you know, it, it's unfortunately on you if you just say, well, my, my work should speak for itself. I agree. But it's not going to because of the company you work in. So you might as well, you know, lobby to make sure that your team is getting the credit that it deserves because it is playing a very, very critical role in these businesses. But they need to be shown that. They need to be seen that. They're not just going to see that for the work itself, unfortunately. They just don't have the time to see it. Yeah, and I think you 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 made the best point there is it's the time. Mm-hmm. Um just the, because there is so much going on that, you know, time is is a limited resource for people. And unless you're screaming and trying to get someone's attention, they're not going to see it. People no. aren't going to be, you know, looking at it. Yeah, they're just, again, they're incredibly busy. It's not that they have something against you and your practice. It's just they're, they're stretched so incredibly thin. Um, mm. So... It's it's our it's your responsibility as a data leader to help position your team and, and make sure they're getting the credit that they deserve. And and again, I, I get it, but I think we need to get over this mindset that is like, ooh, it's icky. Like I don't want to have to like politic and lobby and I'm like okay, again, I get it. But we have to if we're in these organizations. That's just how they work. And and to not do it and then be upset because we didn't get the funding and support, I mean it's on us. We had the opportunity yeah. to do it and we chose not to. Agreed. So, all right, let, let's start to, to wrap up there. Um, you know, thinking of this title, you know, are there any other questions that come to mind that we didn't discuss when it comes to the, the idea of a cost center versus a profit center and making sure analytics is more viewed than more than just a cost center? I mean, I hit. I think we hit the critical ones. I and again, the big overarching one that maybe we didn't ask directly, but we kind of danced around is, you know, how do we determine that? You know, is do we go to like our CFO and say, by the way, are we are we categorized as a cost center or a or a profit center? But I think the more overarching question is, without getting caught up in that, where are we formally labeled? Uh, question is asking ourselves the question of are we seen as indispensable to our key stakeholders? You know, mm-hmm. that's really the question we need to be constantly asking ourselves. If if the answer is yes, then everything else kind of takes care of itself. If no, then yeah, if we're labeled as a cost center, if we're seen as those things become really, really problematic. But if we're seen as indispensable, those things tend to take care of themselves. Yeah, and to your point of like asking, like, are we a cost center or are we a profit center? I think the easy answer is, is if you're not directly impacting revenue, then you're seen as a cost center. Yeah. But again, now that you think about it and some of the things we talked about, I wouldn't even ask the question. I would assume you are, but don't ask the question so it doesn't bring attention to it. Focus (laughs) on the value. Yeah. Yeah. Focus Focus on on the the value value you're creating. 
Yep, absolutely. And to tie it back to the previous episode, make sure you have internal customers that want to work with you. Yes. Because that's how you ensure the value. Absolutely. Cool. Well, let's go ahead and wrap it up there for this week and talk to everybody later. See ya. See ya. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.